Hello, and welcome to the Planetary Regeneration Podcast. I'm your host, Gregory Landaway. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory Landaway coming to you with the Planetary Regeneration Podcast. Uh, Today's episode um, is going to be of particular interest to the Cosmos community. I had the opportunity to have a a good long uh, chat with um, Cosmos. How how does it go? Cosmohammed Bitcoin Jesus, uh, the artist formerly known as Jaquan. And... Um, got in deep to his transition at um, AIB, also known as Tendermint, um, the the new creative project that he's working on, uh, Virgo, and um, we waxed philosophical about uh, on a couple of different levels: personal transformation, the need for leaders to be able to you know put a little bit of coyote energy to distance themselves so they don't become bottlenecks for um, if we're really dedicated to creating decentralized solutions and um, yeah, and a bunch of other great stuff. So I had a f- phenomenal conversation. I f- felt like it was, uh, it was good, good for me, um, good reflection and um, always inspired by what uh, Jake Wan's thinking about and, and doing. And um, yeah, hopefully this is a, is a good conversation uh, to sort of give a long form to unpack some of the things that, that, uh, Jay's been thinking about recently and uh, how that's been showing up in the sort of successive um, stuff that's um, that he's creating and and kind of how that shows up in the in the public sphere on Twitter etc so um, this is kind of a gift to the cosmos community but also I think it the are my viewers who are sort of more on the um, ecological regeneration and permaculture side of things are also going to enjoy this sort of perspective of some of the guiding principles of uh, the cosmos community and sort of the software development side of um, that element of this sort of convergence of uh, cultural regeneration and technological regeneration and um, and spiritual revelation that, that is planetary regeneration so have have uh have an excellent listen and uh, be sure to comment or uh, share ideas for future podcast guests in, um, in the comments or um, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter name is uh, Gregory underscore Landway and um, you can hashtag things with uh, hashtag planetary regeneration if you want to make sure that it's associated with the podcast. Um, have a great one. Man, well, thanks for hopping on. Um, so much to so much to connect about. Um, how you doing? I'm doing weird. Doing weird. Yeah. 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 I, I've been noticing some some irregular Twitter activity. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I admit it. It's good, man. Uh, you won't get any judgment from me oh yeah <clears throat> well you know i expect um i expect people to judge and i expect people to make some some uh some people are going to be like why is that guy doing that others are going to be like that's offensive or or 
mostly people are concerned. So that's nice. Yes. Yeah, really thankful. Um, yeah. But it's like, it's therapeutic. You know, I think that's what people don't realize. Is it's a, I'm exploring something and it's nice. Um, it's nice to be able to say what's on your mind out into the ether where anyone can read it. Um, why not? It's what Live Journal was about, right? And then somehow we got turned into the system where like you can't say anything anymore, otherwise you'll get banned or shadow banned, doggy housed. It's ridiculous. I think that causes causes uh, mental issues for people. Some people. Like I've been noticing that my followers were steadily decreasing no matter what I do. I realize, oh, it's because someone keeps somehow I'm registering a system as like offensive. And so I realized I'm being silenced here. It's not a good feeling. Yeah, that's not a good feeling. That's yeah. not a good feeling. Well, so maybe focusing on the, you know, what would you like to be? I mean, I know <clears throat> you're a passionate guy. Every time I've engaged with you, I've kind of gotten a deeper glimpse of, um, yeah, kind of like the, the crusade that I feel like you're on to, you know, make the world a better place and how much it, it drives you to your sort of creativity and um, all of the things that you've created, um, you know, Cos Cosmos included. So, um, you know, what, what has you feeling like excited and I mean, maybe excited isn't the right word, but you know, um, passionate or engaged or like, what's the world demanding of you? Or what do you feel like the world is demanding of us right now that's, that's kind of driving that desire to connect with people and communicate things that may be hard to, maybe uncomfortable for people? Mm -hmm. Have you seen Mr. Robot? Yeah, I haven't finished the whole, uh, I, I think I, I think maybe I only went through the first season. Mm -hmm. That's about where I was at, or like middle of season two. And Sonny told me to watch it because it starts off being something like Fight Club and then evolves into something much stranger. Yeah. And uh, I realized this is what people want. Uh, what people want is a kind of transformation or a reset. Um, uh, you know, there's various ways to portray the reset. Um, in Fight Club, the reset was after, uh, yeah, skyscrapers were blown up, you know. I mean, it wasn't violent because it was empty, so it's presumably no one was killed, if you can believe that. But, right. and then in Mr. Robot, it was with a hack, right? Um, and also some buildings and even people died, like terrible stuff. Right, they but, bring the whole financial system down, right? Yeah. Yeah, what, what people want, what people, and the reason why these movies work is because people want to take it down. However, the problem is it's only portrayed in ways that are violent. It's only portrayed in ways that, like, like the lessons are usually, oh, don't, because you're crazy, you don't want to do that. Or, in the case of Mr. Robot, like, uh, you want to bring it back to where it was before. That's always the lesson. And I think it's bullshit. 
Like, I don't know where that's coming from, but there's another option. Wait, say there. that again. Say, say what's bullshit. I didn't totally follow. So like I, what I'm tracking is you're noticing that there's in our collective storytelling or, you know, like the way that cinema has become sort of like our modern mythos, there's uh -huh. a trope. There's like yeah. a common pattern and that yeah. pattern is around like the, it's like an Armageddon thing. It's like the world comes to an end brought to you by Mr. Robot or brought to you by whoever it is, but it's always kind of like. It's portrayed as almost Armageddon-like, but like, but what people want isn't the Armageddon. They just want a reset. They just want exit. They just want an alternative. You know, and so that's that's why I think it's bullshit because these movies, these uh, these are you know some of the only movies I feel like that 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 portray this desire in in mainstream media, and yet it's always portrayed in ways that corrupt almost, like what it could be, like it could be an inspiring message about how we can create technology to create alternatives, but instead it's portrayed as hacks or violence, and you know I think I think. I started to suspect that this is all intentional, that yeah, they're you know, doing this on what, purpose. What that makes me think of, man, is um, James Bond. Uh -huh. How every James Bond villain ever, uh -huh. like, they, they have this weird, you know, almost always, or oftentimes, they're sort of like these quirky, rich, sort of like tech billionaire archetypes that yeah. want to do something positive to the world, but it yeah. gets fun in this way that they're going to do something super violent or super scary. And so James yeah. Bond is like the representative of the system has to yeah. go like blow everything up and make sure that it doesn't happen. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. The white guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the colonial. Martin. Yeah. British yeah. yeah. It's like the same message over and over again. Um, if you, if you look at, uh, the 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 Asian male cast in Fight Club and Mr. Robot. There's one, you know, he's the grocery store clerk who, uh, you know, nearly shits his pants, right? If you've seen Fight Club, yeah. And Mr. Robot, it's uh, there's one Asian guy who's kind of goofy, and he's eating a sandwich. Uh, and then there's another Asian guy who's one of the main uh, antagonists, but he is uh is in a woman's body, he's a cross-dresser, see? So from my perspective, and this is not just these two movies, but it's just Hollywood in general. Uh, yeah. I feel like what's weird is Mr. Robot is like, that's, that's the life I was living intentionally because I loved the concept of Fight Club and I identified like the angst and the zeitgeist, right? Of what people want, but I'm watching Mr. Robot and I'm realizing, whoa, it's almost like they're taking my life story, of course, because I'm living Fight Club, but then presenting it in a way that is actually like counter and hindering me. It's trying to silence me, you know? Well, say more about that, like, like trying to silence you in a way that it is manipulating your emotions to second guess. Sort of it's manipulating the emotions of all of the people who watch these movies and the general public that Asian men are not the ones who are going to be involved in the transformation. Don't follow Asian men. They're not, they're not leaders. They're corrupt or they're just jokesters. Hmm. 
That's, that's always the message. And so that's frustrating. And, you know, partially it's because people don't talk about it enough, but I've had enough. What do you so, think? About, I mean, I, as you're talking about that, I'm just thinking about like uh, how awesome it is that, you know, in a way that Andrew Yang is sort of running against that current and built and against like pretty monumental, you know, establishment silencing and building a pretty big, you know, for better or worse, whether you agree with his politics, he's succeeding in creating a, a following and, and uh, a really interesting conversation in the country. I think that I, I, I think you're right. Um, hopeful. I like the idea of universal basic income. It'll even the playing field a little bit. The banks and everyone are worried about what's going to happen, which is inflation. So, yeah, things are going to get weird, I think. But um, I'd say whoever, I'm starting to think about everything in terms of the structure of the incentive, right? And also including more understanding about the person and their ego and so on. So I would say Andrew Yang's cool, but you have to wonder, what is, what is their ego? How, where is the proof that they have gone through multiple rounds of ego death and they're really going to do this for the, make the best choice for everyone? And Bernie Sanders seems to have had that proven quite a bit. Everyone's trying to go against them, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Bernie, Bernie's, uh, Bernie's, Bernie's Bernie, man. He's Everyone. like <clears throat> an essence that is just sort of like unwavering. <laughs> yeah, he's principled. Everyone else, I think, is trying to prove something. Yeah, I'm not so sure about Andrew Yang, though. Uh, I get it. I mean, obviously, he doesn't have the... Bernie's been around so long and yeah. he's been a public figure for so long that we can see his principles and his essence and his like innate goodness, whether you agree with him or disagree with him, the dude has fucking ethics. He's like, he, he, what he, he believes in what he says. You That's know? good. <clears throat> That's good. And, and it seems to me that that actually is, you know, just, this is just, and it's more of a snapshot sense that I have, but when I listen to Andrew Yang in different venues, I get yeah. the sense that he's just, he's, he's comfortable speaking off the cuff and he's authentic in a way that he's not trying to say what he thinks people want to hear. He's saying what he believes. That's I, exactly, that's, well, that's exactly the, that's, that's the name of the game now. Trump got elected because of that. Yeah, so, that's you know, exactly why he got elected. Everyone's so, going to do that. But yeah. yeah, but it doesn't mean you can trust them. Well, but isn't there a sense of which, you know, like that, can help engender trust? Or do you think people can fake that? Do you think I think people can fake it. Like a deep fake, like I come across as really authentic, but actually- Yeah, I'm most just, of the time people just fake themselves. That's what, you know, people, so, yeah, so narcissists. not answer this, but if, if you're comfortable answering it, is that sort of, you, you know, you, you just, you were referring to kind of like ego death and um, is that kind of where you feel like you're at right now is in a cycle of just kind of, you know, wrestling with and, and killing off some element that's not serving you that you've been living with and like reemerging like a Phoenix or something. I, it, 
you know, sort of, it's been like that for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I remember, uh, taking some, uh, morning glory LSA mm -hmm. and, uh, that was an experience because I thought I had, I had killed myself. Those are the kind of trips I get sometimes. Or I uh, um, almost got into a motorcycle accident. I mean, I did. Uh, I almost drowned in the ocean. But like, those are just, you know, <clears throat> they're not quite psychological, but here's one. Like I was playing, I really used to enjoy poker. And I thought I could be a great poker player. Cause you know, I like, I like game theory and math. This is exciting. But, uh, you know, it took me seven years to realize that, uh, it's not me because of other reasons that I hadn't expected. Like I don't like sitting down for an extended period of time, talking to people that I don't want to talk to. <laughs> and I just want to get out of there. Um, but you know, that, that involved, Oh, poker's great because, uh, It'll go broke, so it's like, you know, it's objective. So you come, you know, when you get broke, and you like feel like humbling in that way. Like you it's can't. It's very humbling. Yeah, exactly. Like it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you lost. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, and recently with work, um, you know, I'm really appreciative of um, the people that I work with because they help me understand more about, you know, my personality like issues, you know, issues around my personality. Well, that's a beautiful thing, I think, about the difference between work and vocation. Mm -hmm. like, I, I feel like I, when I see you, I see someone who has a vocation, whether or not it's like 100% clear to yourself or even to other people, like you have a mission, it's your vocation, you're doing something in the world and you're you know, trying to figure it out in successive moments. And my experience is when, when as humans we're living in service to our vocation, mm. it creates communities that can actually reflect hard and honest truths that help us grow as humans. Mm. If you're just at work, yeah. if you're just at work at some random work, you or your colleagues will always avoid the hard conversation or, you know, or leave or some you'll get when there's a sense of, of shared purpose and when there's a sense of vocation that it, it, mm -hmm. it enables these like pers deep personal growth cycles where, mm -hmm. where you can see the good, the bad and the ugly of yourself and of other people and then grow through it. And I think that's mm -hmm. a really beautiful, it's a really beautiful thing. And it's an important thing in our world today, that kind mm -hmm. of social, cultural and personal evolution is, uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's as important as any technological element of what we're doing, I think. Yeah, our consciousness. And it's changing because of the natural limits of the environment. It's just making it higher and higher in priority and awareness. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this is just going to be a long <clears throat> trend that keeps growing until, you know, uh, we figure out how to work together, but I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful because um, it's nice. There's a common enemy and it's, it's us. It's very clear. Yeah. And, and we've tried, we've tried so many things where we try to fight each other, but uh, with the internet and um, you know, 
there's just more information now, more awareness. And uh, if you, yeah, if, like recently in, in Iran, the students didn't walk on those flags. You know, they're like, they're, uh, I think people, people are just waking up in general. So that means if we focus on the narrative of how we could work together and promote that and through our collective action, make it rise above what's being spoon fed us in mainstream media, and we have a good chance. So, hmm. you know, I mean, there's, there's like, I see this branching pattern and where the conversation can go in many good directions. I could, mm -hmm. see, I could see talking a little bit and understanding a little bit more your vision for Virgo. And mm -hmm. um, I could see, um, I could see us thinking, just, you know, talking and thinking more about their kind of, you know, personal, spiritual journey side of things. Mm. Um, obviously, those two are connected, I would guess. Mm. Maybe uh, I'll, I'll do a brief plug on what Virgo is, and then we can just go wherever we want. Awesome. That'd be great. All right. So, um, so there's Cosmos, uh, which in my mind is... It's uh, it's a lot of things, but it's a proof of stake, you know, DeFi system that's meant to create you know, an ecosystem of DeFi and non-financial applications. But the Cosmos Hub is about it's about tokens. Um, and but what's missing, I think, is that killer app. And people say, yeah, but finance, finance is a killer app. I'm saying, you know, yeah, but you can kind of, in the absence of, um, of um, financial meltdown or instability, um, people aren't really going to transition over to blockchain in the mass, I don't think. Because, um, uh, you know, it's just, just, you know, as long as there aren't that many reasons to. However, okay, so it's going to get... Uh, the case to switch over to crypto is going to get more and more compelling, yeah. But I think there's also more we can do. We can also create applications, and we need to, um, that, that are non-financial and are on, are on the blockchain. Um, the reason why is because there are forces that are trying to stop what we are doing. So it's like if we just have Cosmos by itself right, in all these blockchains, it really wouldn't be enough because it doesn't change our regulations and people with lots of money uh, are deploying their capital to try to, you know, towards their ends, right? To extract more wealth from while damaging the environment because some people are shitty. And, uh, all right, so Cosmos is not enough. Um, and the way people, these people influence us, and if you remember like Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and all that, is through social media. It's through the news and, uh, and, and yeah, the media that we consume. And, you know, uh, and all of these networks, Facebook, even Twitter, Reddit, 
they're not doing a good job of uh, decentralizing or of, uh, of really enabling the community to police themselves, to create their own set of cultural norms and let people decide for themselves what they think is right. Because we shouldn't, we shouldn't trust centralized companies with this stuff. Even Facebook's whitelist with Libra, it's not enough because the power dynamics are structurally there. And because it's there, it will attract people who will want to use it and abuse it. And therefore it will get abused eventually. Just like absolute power absolutely corrupts. It's because it's almost like physics, you know? You can't stop it. You can for a while, but eventually it'll, it'll, it'll happen. It'll get compromised. So. Pause for just a moment. Can I ask yeah. you a question? Yeah. Do you think that that's an innate sort of like um, biological or or epigenetic uh, phenomena that, or or is it a cultural phenomena that sort of like absolute power corrupts absolutely? Is is this something that if we regenerate different a different social construct or different economic construct that would be different, or is this something that? is like hardwired, just in your opinion. And maybe the answer is who knows, but I'm just curious about that because you're alluding yeah. to something that's a, it's sort of like there's a foundational assumption there and I'm curious okay. what that is for you. Yeah, um, I think there are two. Uh, one is if there is power that can be abused, it will become abused over time because you know, in, in, in any complex system with like turning roles, like presidents and so on, or Senate, because uh, it, it doesn't actually take that much money to, to pick off, you know, positions. The payoff is so great, you know? The payoff is so great if you capture something, but you essentially have infinite resources to, to, to win because you can extract so much once you're done. So, so you're talking about the game theoretical sort of, um, there, there's sort of like a, a game theoretical uh, pattern that there will always be um, to the extent, like someone will always use power in, in its most extreme and negative form at some point, if it can. Yeah. Lots of people, maybe 30% of the population are just, you know, they don't care about others. They just want more power or something like that, money or wealth, something. They want more power. Oh, you really think it's 30%? Yeah, and, and I think it's like that. I think it's more, but I think the reason is because not of our genes, more because of our, the situation and our culture. And I think that can change. Okay, so it's like 30% of people behave in a, like what appears to be sort of a, sociopathic way yeah, egotistical sociopathic way but it's because of you know they're sort of being driven to they think they need to protect their kids or they think that they need to yeah it's politics at their work or whatever it is that then creates sort of a really negative externality around the results of their actions that they don't they either rationalize away they don't see or they choose to ignore yeah, it's capitalism is like a system of rationalization, of exploitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, well, you, you know, know you could think of it that way. I, I mean, not, I, and, and by the way, I'm not saying I'm like a socialist either. I'm saying we need to transcend this duality. Yeah, t totally. Well, it's really interesting. 
there's so many things here that are fascinating to me. I remember um, at one point you shared the stage at, it was, maybe it was like Token Summit uh -huh. uh, back in like last year uh, and you were there. I think it was Lane, um, I forget his last name. He's an oh, yeah. guy. Popcorn. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and he was, he was sharing something that he was sort of like criticizing the, the downside of a one token, one vote proof of stake system um, because of the oh, yeah, propensity uh... for the propensity for um, power to over time sort of centralize through the I agree. I agree with the, um in general. So, but yeah, I don't think so it's so a problem. So. so do I. And, and yeah. so something that you said though, which I thought was really interesting and is worth that, that conversation in particular, I think is really important for people to have a sort of like an open, like for all of us to read from the same book. So yes, we all agree objectively that like in a proof of stake system left unchecked, the way that the game mechanics go, there's a power accumulation. I would but, say all complex systems centralize in power over time. Yeah, exactly. What's the, there's a name for that um, pattern, that theory. Um, but the thing is, is that they, they, they tend to, to centralize, but they also tend to be disrupted and de re-decentralized. And so there's like this dynamic disequilibrium that takes place. Creative destruction kind of deal. Yeah, but there's something about the cosmos vision, which I think is up until recently, at least, and I think it's getting more widely adopted, has been unique, which is, okay, that may be, but the way to design around that isn't necessarily to create these like complex, internal mechanisms to keep people from ever accumulating power, it's to make exit free. Yeah. So that anybody can leave when yeah. that starts to happen and that's the check and balance. Yeah. That I think is like this foundational, if, if there's one sort of thing that I've learned from you, and, and I, I think it may be an original thought from, from, from you or you and Bucky or sort of like the cosmos, came from but it's that um lowering the cost of exit is the best way to prevent tyranny essentially it's like mm -hmm. a it's like this core foundational principle or value yeah it's a core value of virgo actually yeah, yeah. and and cosmos i think and i see it in and i think mm. i think it's emanating i mean i think I don't know, but I think Bucky resonates with it, but I think it's maybe I sense that it sort of emanates at something about your essence, that sort of like that is a clear thing that you're serving, that that's part of your mission in life is like lower the cost of exit for everybody and you will change the game dynamics. I got, I, I really love the idea of uh, voluntarism um, and try to draw you know, from that a lot like copyism is also similar in idea, but it's more about information. And the idea of all of this is that, you know, just like respect each other and don't force people to do things um, for, you know, as, as reasonably as possible. And that means 
You know, you have to give people an option to use different monetary systems. They don't believe in your money. Um, you can't, you can't force people to oblige and say, you know, this is the only thing that they can use. Yeah. Just because well, they were born here. Radical. I mean, I totally agree. And it's a, it's an idea whose time has come and it's, um, it's a dangerous idea, right? Because for so long, um, the foundation of empire has been money. Yeah. The very foundation. When you think about the Roman empire, mm-hmm. what, what what made the Roman Empire work was the relationship between army, slaves, money, and grain. And like how those things came together to create sort of like a, a social system that's aim was expansion, essentially. And the monetary supply has to expand, the supply of slaves has to expand. And you look at the history of Rome and any time you know, if there's a big upset in the grain production or there's a big upset in the inflow of slaves or there's a big upset in any of the expanding frontiers, you know, essentially you get these implosions take place. And you, uh-huh. can, you can talk about like, oh, the Germans overran the Roman Empire, but really, I mean, it, it can be explained in much more simple terms. And, uh-huh. you know, just like the ability to exercise logistics and have a single monetary supply reached its end, essentially. Yeah. It couldn't keep going. So, seemed, Yeah. Well, I wonder if at the same time something else was being born always. So while something right. was declining, uh, another story is that something else was starting to take shape that was corroding the original. I wonder. Born. Yeah, that's a, I think that's a beautiful invitation. You know, and I think... If that's true, that may mean that for us to transition, we still need something perhaps that might be construed as an empire. Can you have a voluntary, decentralized, peaceful empire? What is an empire anyways? Well, yeah, it's a great question. So, I mean, I think the answer is... um, Kingdom of God. That's what Christians would say. The answer is the kingdom of God. <laughs> or, yeah, yeah certain well, religious forms. I'm agnostic, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, I'm also, I mean, I've been... Um, we don't have to talk about religions. I'm, I'm perfectly comfortable talking about religion. Um, okay. I don't... It's complex, though. The, the entree into that world is, um, especially in today's day and age, which I think is... Is interesting, and I kind of want to just take a moment to applaud you on just sort of like what I perceive as kind of like, uh, gosh, I forget what the name of it is, but in Russian, in the in the later part of the Soviet empire, this sort of like avant-garde art form was born in which uh-huh. in which the the observers can't tell if. <laughs> you're trolling or not, right? And that's, Trolling was invented. <laughs> yeah, well, but, but you can't tell if you're trolling. Like some trolls you know, but some trolls you're like, are you trolling or not? Are you fucking with me? I can't tell. And I feel, <laughs> and I feel like, you know, you're kind of like nailing that on the head, which is, and, but it's important because, and it's always dealing with the most uncomfortable issues. And mm. 
for instance, in the crypto space, there's this people like at the end of the day, the different tribal affinity groups in the crypto space essentially are religions. And, mm -hmm. and there's yeah. something about your Money is faith. Exactly. And there's something about your trolling that is directly pointing to that. <laughs> and it's been really funny watching people, like how people respond, mostly just so, by like, I don't want to talk about it. You know, Jay, Jay went crazy. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, I, I don't think is, is true or like, you know, crazy, like coyote crazy. Well, like, I don't know. I'm open to all of this. I realize I'm open to a lot of things. Open to the idea that I may be crazy. Open to the idea. Uh, I forgot what I was going to say. But, um, yeah. Uh, so religion. So Blockchains are, well, what's a religion? What's the difference between spirituality, faith, and religion? What is a religion? I would say, um, I would answer that in the following way. And I don't know. I mean, this isn't like, I'm not Wikipedia or whatever the, uh, you know, even that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the store of truth, right? But my sense is that... You're the store of your truth. Yeah. And my sense for me, spirituality is a deeply intrinsic um, experience in which th there's a dynamic transcendence, but, but also insofar as... I'm unifying my consciousness with the universe, but I am the only one who can experience that. Um, or it can also be an intersubjective experience, but it transcends language. You know, maybe the closest we can get is some poetry and art, but it's, it's uh, you know, and, and maybe there's, it has a deep affinity with culture, cultural regeneration and, you know, movement. It has a deep affinity to physics as well, maybe quantum mechanics. Exactly. Quantum, it's, it's, it is a quantum experience, whereas um, religion is an attempt to ritualize. Ritualize, and, right, and, yeah. And codify uh, revelations codify. experienced in those states. Usually, I think, for the health, although it's manipulated by some, I also think, in general, it's usually in good faith trying to codify an operating system that is sourced from that sort of like transcendent experience. And this is what connects with blockchain because what is, a, what is sort of like the state machine other than a transparent codification of, of time and space into consensus reality of a group of nodes? So yeah, it's internode, interperson protocol, automated one yeah. that yeah, lets emerge a monetary system. Right, this which is a monetary system being what do we value? What is that which we choose to imbue with value so that we can um, build a, a, a whole which is greater than the sum of the parts together? Is the United States a religion? Well, I would say liberal democracy and scientific materialism is a is a religion and the united states is a expression of that in some way like it's a church talking about the whole yeah. concept of it just the fact that you know that 200 years ago whatever there was a constitution that there's a white house senate house and that 
you know, this is what's supposed to work. This is our best shot. Mm-hmm. Starting to sound like a religion to me. What's the difference? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely continuum and where to draw the line, I'm not quite sure. There's um, no deity. There's no God. Oh, well. Well, there is a God. The is God there? is... The God is... The dollar. It's the God of the enlightenment, in quotes. Right? It's, it's, this, it's the rationalist, materialist God, which... which was born out of the strange Protestant kind of like Reformation hitting the scientific revolution. The work ethic of the Protestant yeah. and capitalism merged together. Yeah, all was, in, in this bind. And it's like a meme complex. Yeah, that capitalism God. will save us. Yeah. It's an entity. Th- these things have spiritual mass. They're, they it's, do. It's, it's an entity and we feed it. We feed yeah. it with our, with our day-to-day... You know, I found myself, I, I, I mean, I was quite uncomfortable to note this Christmas. You know, I have two kids. I have an a almost three-year-old and a one-year-old. Mm. And uh, we participated, despite my best efforts, in a fully sort of like um, uh, secular Christian materialist Christmas, right? Okay, and, okay. And my grandparents, it was all about the grandparents and the kids. Like everybody yeah. wants presents and everybody wants to do the thing and have the sweets and and you know, it was like through the, that ritual, mm-hmm. we were feeding, we were feeding the strange, you know, Godhead of, you know, <laughs> it's what we were doing. From, from St. Francis, is that it? From St. Nicholas. Yeah. Good old St. Nick. Where, where does St. Nick come from? Saint well, Nicholas. I don't know the whole story, but I do know that, uh, you know, there's a whole, you know, on the deeper pagan roots of all of this, mm. um, the the pre-Saint Nicholas figure was connected to, you know, um, Amanita Muscaria, the the those big beautiful red mushrooms with white flecks that um, you you can't eat them directly because they're toxic. But if you drink the urine of reindeer who've eaten these mm-hmm. mushrooms. It's this really potent um, psychedelic, essentially, that mm-hmm. um, that is connected deeply with some somehow deeply with the spirit of Christmas, right? And mm. uh, then bound up with Saint Nicholas and this and flying reindeer, and the north. These mushrooms tend to grow in the north, associated with birch trees and like the Sami. You know, there's just this powerful shamanic heart to the Christmas season and the rebirth. Mm. You know, it was co-opted for a reason, right? It was co-opted mm. and turned into a ritualized moment where we're feeding something. Got to feed something. Mm-hmm. It was co-opted for a reason. It's a very potent time that that mm. rebirth of the sun. Yeah. And anyway, yeah. I'm rambling a little bit, but no, yeah. yeah. Talking about co-opting, um, I think. And I'm still investigating this, but this is what I discovered recently. Or hinted at that ah, that Jesus Jesus was talking about this concept called metanoia, which means like to see more broadly and differently. Um, and I have my own interpretation of it, but um, I believe that word was mistranslated to mean repent. And so guilt was uh, associated with it. 
in order to uh, uh, control people through guilt. And, wow, and this is really, what... That's really interesting. Oh my gosh. So what you're saying is there's an initial, there's this concept of, of you know, we'll call it metanoia that's, mm-hmm. that was co-opted and turned from sort of like a self-driven intrinsic reconnection with a, a whole perspective or like a broader perspective mm-hmm. to a sort of like unilateral imposition of, of guilt by some, yeah. by some figure of power. So it's like a co-option. By Jesus, by Jesus on the cross suffering. Yeah. Mm. You see, cause like Jesus wasn't about his suffering. <laughs> his, well, him getting on the cross proves a point. You know, and so it made it work. But like his message was about changing the way we think and preparing for the apocalypse, the vision that he saw, the Malthusian trap. And yeah, people co-opted that, made people feel guilty under bleeding Jesus. Did you grow up? Did you grow up in a Christian family? Um. Kind of. My, my dad was Buddhist, and then he converted to Christian. And so I, I went to church a few times. Um, I have a Bible. My mom gave me a Bible a long time ago. She doesn't quite actively go to church anymore. But uh, So I had that. Anyways, so I, what I wanted to say was that this is what Muhammad said in the Quran. In the second verse called the cow, line 15. Eight and fifty nine. What did he say? He was talking about metanoia. Yeah, that word, and that it was mistranslated. Ah, so this is a clarification. He, this is Muhammad as a prophet, clarifying something that the the disciples got wrong about Jesus's teaching, and clarifying it for his 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 uh, followers. I believe that's the case. Now, I don't know this 100%, but there's a book on it too, so I'm trying to figure it out. I'm going to get a read more about it. But it well, it's seems... really interesting. Um, yeah. So I, I participate in this school um, that's sort of deeply consciousness-rooted uh, in which... Mm-hmm. This in is which, really relevant, yeah. Yeah, in which the practice is essentially um, to take radical responsibility to mm-hmm. increase the individual's capacity, my own capacity to self-reflect, uh-huh. self-remember, and, and like exercise my will in order to um, develop my, my own ability to engage deeply and authentically with, with the world, in, in, the real, in the real world, not my projection of my idea of it, but what's real. And... Uh-huh. The biggest thing that gets in the way of that is what our modern culture calls feedback, which is the cybernetic concept of a, like governing a system, like someone telling me what I did wrong, for instance. Instead Sorry, of, I'm you know, losing, I'm losing you. Did you lose me because of uh, uh, network issues or because of? No, just the concepts. I'm not, okay. trying, I'm not sure where you're going. Well, I'm trying to connect this concept of like metanoia with, uh-huh. my, with my emerging understanding of why uh, 
concepts like the adoption of the cybernetic concept of feedback is uh. similar to the churches. Uh, it's the same. It's like same, same, but different as um, sort of forcing people into a confessional and a relationship with a authority in which you're subservient and you're reporting your sins as the, as the mechanism for governing and keeping people in control. So, mm. so in the concept, you know, cybernetics uh. born in the seventies um, or even before that, but advanced significantly in the seventies. And then it started like the concept of feedback started making its way into sort of like corporate culture. So people uh. are always saying like, Oh, you know, feedback on that, you know, Hey, you know, you need to learn to accept feedback or whatever it is, which yeah. is this concept that we're, we're machines, that I'm a machine. And in order to act right, you need to tell me what to do, which, which interestingly enough, like, obviously I need to deeply listen and like attune myself and harmonize, but there's this shift. Is the responsibility on you to give me the feedback or is the responsibility on me to, to be. Oh, I see. Yeah. You know, so that's interesting to make the choice to shift my perspective to metanoic instead of being self-centered. What would it be to be metanoic? You're saying that to, to say, to to, uh, adopt and accept a culture where you are responsible for giving feedback is that would follow from metanoia. Is that what you're saying? Quite. I, I, what I'm saying is maybe even a, a tad more radical than that. I'm saying a, a, a culture that supports metanoic consciousness is one that demands individuals to um, constantly like to dedicate their life's practice to reconnecting with metanoic consciousness as what like, does what, that, what does that mean in terms of feedback? Well, feedback, like if, if instead of, um, how would I put this? This is a slippery one. Thanks for sticking with us. So if I'm relying, if, if I have the assumption that I'm just going to rely on you to give me feedback, where is the agency? I have outsourced my agency to you instead of taking responsibility myself. Oh, uh, uh. So where, who has the responsibility for regenerating the Christ consciousness? If you're thinking about this from a, from a, from a Christian perspective, who has the responsibility for connecting their heart back to Christ consciousness? Does the preacher or the Pope who's going to give everyone? Uh, Certainly no, not a, no centralized authority, but rather uh, everyone is responsible for giving feedback to everyone, including themselves. Hmm. Cause, uh, you know, once you see that we're all on the same boat together with global warming and so on, like it makes a little, and, you know, and also considering where we're headed in terms of technology, the ability to, you know, uh, sequence our DNA, uh, shit. I mean, you might have children thousands of years from now, you know, um, or, uh, uh, and so on. Um, so to see that you are 
one and you have responsibilities, but also to see how you, one needs others and to see how a collective can best evolve and learn together, I think helps you derive a set of protocols that says everyone is responsible for giving everyone feedback, including themselves. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so let's shift gears a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remember once um, I got a glimpse when, when we were in Berlin for the, um, that phenomenal meeting, that phenomenal first Interchain Foundation meeting. Um, Interchain Conversations. Yeah. We were walking like late in the, mo- early in the morning, actually, I think. We were walking back along, uh, you know, a canal or something. Mm-hmm. And you were, you started talking a little bit about your vision of community, of like mm-hmm. of humans living together um, in kind of a, you know, agro-utopian, ecological-balanced way, community, and your your vision of sort of what was automated and what wasn't. Um, So I'd love to, yeah, I'd love to, A, just like give you a chance to just um, share a little bit about, yeah, just like as a glimpse of a little snapshot of that as a as something that feels inviting to you or something that you feel like maybe you're you're inviting into the world or is inviting you to serve it um so that listeners can kind of get it just a taste of of um yeah kind of how you see an mm. idealized society or an yeah. idealized community living yeah. working together um yeah okay raising children sure. whatever might might be happening there Okay. Wow. There's a lot, man. Okay. So first of all, I don't have the answers, but, uh, I can try to paint stuff that I see. Um, so one is, okay. Uh, we need to figure out better foods you know, distribution and production system because there's so many issues. I think you know, everyone kind of knows the inefficiencies and, uh, the chemical nature of it how you know it's not sustainable so all that needs to change um in terms of food so i think that what that means is um you want you want food that is as locally produced as reasonably possible because um because we should be and and it should be reflected in the cost too you should be able to see that in the cost Mm -hmm. like to get food from far away like because the uh, the energy, um, the carbon output of transportation is so high. If you truly reflect that, I think it would be greater. Yep. So if you can truly account for, you know, and pay a little more to help with the regreening efforts, then I think people naturally want food grown locally. Um, and I think automation is going to be a huge deal. So. I remember when I was doing 3D robotics um, or just 3D printers way back a few years ago, thinking how, uh, yeah, this is, if anything, the, the plastic extrusion is it's nice, but um, for really crazy stuff, you need, you know, quite advanced tech. But uh, 
But what became obvious is that making, it wouldn't be too hard to uh, create a nimble robot, perhaps with three printed components, but with like a camera and a good AI uh, to be able to do manual labor uh, in terms of pest control and seeding and maybe even harvesting. Uh, so if we get that, and it's, it, I think it should be cost efficient, connected to perhaps a solar grid nearby. Um, and every town should have food production outdoors. Some will be in greenhouses with uh, automated, you know, quite automated. But then you also want to integrate education into this too, and also just well-being. So um, people should be able to go there and learn about how food is produced and everything. Uh, it would be a good way for people to learn about, I mean, like you should be able to go somewhere, see fruit, pick it after you wash your hands, and learn about how the source code for all the machines there. Just dive into it whatever you want to know, the software, the AI, and then connect it to the blockchain, you know? So now you want to trade, you want to see how it is that food leaves here, gets shipped off via, I don't know, rails, hopefully in the future. Um, and, uh, and understand the blockchain. I, mean, I just think that it's vital for us to connect with the soil and get, get on with the program of regreening. In order to do that, an education system has to be based on food production. It has to be, and it's a nice, nice, you know, topic that branches into so many things is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. So why, why not? You know, it, it doesn't that, isn't that what, uh, there's that education system, um, uh, where, where gardening is a crucial point of it, part of it. You're talking about permaculture? Not permaculture, but uh, I forget. Some lady developed it, and uh, uh, it'll, come to, it'll come to me. I mean, the things that I'm thinking of weren't. Uh, I was thinking, you know, uh, biodynamic and the connection between that and Waldorf education, but that's Rudolf Steiner, not, um, although he took a lot of his, I, I, my understanding is he stole a lot of stuff from Is Isadora Duncan, who's a, a dancer, but also a very creative woman who's contemporary with Rudolf Steiner. Mm, okay. Well, I don't know. What I do know is uh, people, oh God, yeah. You know, like what, what causes us to uh, be so good at exporting like our uh, violence, I think, is being separated from like food production is part of it. It's like you get used to the notion that the world is some abstract thing that you're not really in touch with except through money and deliveries. <laughs> and well, you know what's really interesting about that? If you, if you really think about the his, if you think about the history of how we came to be where we are, 
what money is, is a way to generate liquidity in order to hedge risk associated with being tied to a place. Because the enormous risk of being a peasant, or that is to say, you know, that's pejorative, but, but it, what it means is someone who's land-based, mm. who has a relationship with the primary product, agricultural productivity and management of a place. You know, there's a place that they're stewarding. Mm -hmm. If someone comes up over the hill and has a sword or a gun or nuclear weapons or whatever, and they want to take that place from you, what do you as that peasant or that free or the armor, what do you have? How can you, how can you escape that? And so one way to think about the, the birth, the creation of the global monetary system is people hedging, hedging and, and creating pools of liquidity that they could move around. Oh, from Seth. Yeah. It can never be taken from you. Yeah. The farm can be taken from you. Uh -huh. Right. And there's something foundational about learning a finite planet. We can't keep running. We have, yeah. we have to solidify and feel safe at home that yeah. we invest into the regeneration and stewardship of our agro ecosystems. Right. Our it'll get stolen. To rob and leave. It's, yeah. a, it's just a super extractive cycle to, to maximize liquidity so you can get the hell out. And that's what has to, like, we you right there the, the technological uh element of stu you know re regenerative stewardship of agroecosystems that's actually not so hard We've, we we can do that you can create you can sequester carbon into soil you can create biodiverse ecosystems whether it's automated or human-led you know the the agronomic process to create fecund, beautiful, abundant produce in a great way is totally doable if people can relax and trust that what they create won't be stolen from them. Mm. And the, the foundational, I believe, one of the foundational needs we have somehow is mm. to sort out that, that uh, trust that I as a as a peasant, as a yeoman, as a freeholder, as a farmer, as a citizen. Ah, that investing in this land is, is good. It won't be taken away. It won't just be taken away. And, uh, and that dichotomy and that relationship between the market and the commons and my private ability to take care of my family, uh, that, I mean, in an indirect way, that's what we're trying to solve for at Region Network. Although... Mm -hmm. Although we, it feels like too sticky to, to tackle head on, you know, mm. it's like, cause it's complex, it's tangled up and, and you're dealing with, you know, how many millennia of just like hard coded game theory and economic adversarial economics <laughs> with you want, you wanna, essentially. You want to so, hear a dangerous idea? Yeah, I'd love to. <laughs> okay. I don't know how feasible it is, but it sounds crazy. Imagine if you, uh, imagine if you make a, a blockchain game, perhaps, where uh, it's it simulates uh, peasant takeover of the land and redistribution based on is it farmland? Is it corporate? Well, you let the game says 
you sign up and if you're a peasant, you know, and the whole point is to kind of simulate what might happen if it's done right. And then after enough iterations, I feel like you don't get advanced enough to the point where people will say, well, let's just do it. So, so you're saying we could do a, a really epic, like multiplayer uh, exactly. game simulation, simulation yeah. around of, agrarian reform, essentially. Yeah, of regenerating, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know. You'd have people who are responsible for acres, you'd have roles, you'd have, you know, I mean, it's quite, quite a dangerous idea. Uh, certain people will certainly freak out. Because this is, you know, it's just another cycle that's played out before. It happened in China, right? It happened in China, it happened in Russia, it, it happened in, in its own way in the United States several times. It happened in Chile with, uh, um, you know, Allende and Pinochet. It's happened over and over in Latin America in different moments. You know, agrarian reform has been the driver of many, many revolutions all around the world. Well, it doesn't have to be that violent, actually. Maybe we can think of different things. Like, um, yeah, if we were to learn from history and make sure that we transcend it, I think more people can get behind it. And so if we say, instead of uh, focusing on land redistribution, it's quite violent, we ensure that transitions happen slowly. There might be other elements to this game, like border uh, redrawing. Maybe, I, I do think there should be a new protocol. If today we live in, you know, some treaty of West, Westphalia world where, you know, nation states have these borders, but like people don't have control over borders. What it should be, I think, is um, at the fringes, at the borders is where the border should be defined based on, you know, lots of things around that locale. And over time, borders might peacefully evolve naturally um, if things are, kosher you know if there's peace if, if there's no conflict there and voluntarily that's what people want right so you're um, talking about like ability to exit essentially a uh you know exit the nation state and join a different one or you know join a different state or yeah you know, i think the future is going to hold uh, a patchwork of, right choosing jurisdiction but and your neighbors get together and you vote it out yeah you, i i love that I love that vision. I also, one thing I would note is that from, from my perspective, that, you know, and I think this is represented in our strategy, the pathway towards agrarian reform passes through DeFi, essentially, because mm -hmm. the ability to create, that there's two key, in my mind, there's two key elements that make it, that in, sort of like resonant with this sort of like principle of ease of exit. Uh -huh. if, if you're talking about agriculture and agrarian reform, people need two key elements. One is they need um, sort of a digestible dashboard of the scientific reality of ecological health. And they need a digestible dashboard of the, of what I call the invisible structures, or that is the legal financial reality of, and they need sort of the ability to make choices in their own hands to create contracts about those two. So future contracts about productivity, contracts about public or common goods generated by good stewardship, clean water, carbon sequestration, whatever it is. If everyone has access to those things, it actually 
completely transforms this. It, it, it changes the playing field so much that, you know, the, the old rules of private property start to dissolve because you start to get people making specific contracts and agreements about both the public and private goods. And oh, so I see. Yeah, and, and like, because ownership becomes much more nuanced and conditional. Completely the subtle, conditional ownership, yeah. model, which That's connects people to, to an ecological reality, to, yeah. to like what is actually providing the most resilient, consistent returns on the investment of our labor, of, of different forms of capital. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. That's, that's quite a bit of engineering work. Oh my God, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a lot. And, and I, our entree is, you know, through very simple, brute, and kind of silly, like ecosystem service credits. But the vision is to get to that, like, subtle, multi-stakeholder management of these private and public goods generated from agroecosystems. So that you really do dissolve the hard, fast structure of ownership and shift it to something that's nuanced and grounded in ecological reality. Mm -hmm. um, but as you said, it's a there's going to be there's a bit of a path. You know, it's not going to happen overnight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What's that? Uh, what's the photo up on you, the that I see up in the corner there? Oh yeah, it's um, San Luis, Arizona. Oh, uh, it's it's uh, it's in Arizona. I guess that's the Mexican border, and you can tell. Um, let's see. So the bottom is the sparsely, you know, uh, populated uh rv town i suppose it's a uh, trailer park mm -hmm. and then above the border is a uh, densely packed uh mexican housing oh so those are houses yeah oh wow and there's the border yeah crazy um <laughs> speaking of borders yeah, it's just absurd. Um, that's not natural. Something's wrong there, you know? You know something's gonna, not quite right. Yeah. Yeah, so much inefficiencies and so much pain, so much letting down, so much, uh, so much lack of hope. People are just like, with this like unmovable fence, you know? Yeah. It's a weird system. I mean, it's it's natural. It's a simple system, but uh, and it's so corruptible. So, sort of shifting gears again. What uh, did did you have any New Year's resolutions this year? Um. Yeah. To eat better um i haven't been doing well <laughs> um oh to um to to get better at giving fucks 
Um, to like choose uh, to actually give a fuck about certain no, things? No, it's like, it's like I give a fuck about too many things. And so some things I just need to stop giving a fuck about. Like, uh, for example, um, oh, what people think about my crazy tweeting and calling myself Kas Muhammad Bitcoin Jesus time. People are <laughs> upset. I'm like, I don't care. Because um, <laughs> not actually hurting anyone. And, uh, you know, the intent is good and I'm not really breaking any consistent social norms, frankly, because, you know, I'm not, not saying anything that's really controversial if you think about it. Um, am I trolling? I don't even know myself. Maybe that's why it's so good. You know? That's why it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I troll so good because I don't yeah, know. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, to be provocative, I think there to create art, or that is to say, to create a moment in which you and the people around you have a reflection. Like, mm -hmm. like, like, go like, oh, maybe things could be different. Yeah, um, maybe I'm wrong. Or... Maybe I'm wrong. Or, or uh, maybe this person that I've trusted is wrong. Or yeah. whatever maybe I shouldn't is. follow leaders. <laughs> That's <laughs> art, essentially, right? Like yeah. a Socratic form of art. And um, yeah, I mean, that's how I would characterize what you've been engaging with is mm. sort of like a sort of like a coyote kind of Socratic art form, which I wouldn't call it trolling because when I think of trolling, I have a specific sort of like, you know, 8chan, 4chan, internet troll, you know, mm. kind of like vision. But, but I do think also there's a, there is this sort of like, resonance that form that in its highest expression maybe there maybe there's an intersection there yeah it doesn't mean it's, it's not authentic and genuine it, it it's just sort of like uh there's some like disruption of a narrative that's taking place and yeah. invitation yeah. to look deeper yeah exactly yeah which i think is great and you know um i, I also think like, like, so just a thought experiment. Can you imagine what would happen, what would have happened less than a year after Ethereum's mainnet launch if Vitalik did what you just did on Twitter? Mm. Mm -hmm. um, uh, don't know. I think it would have crashed. <laughs> you think it would have crashed? I yeah, think it crashed, and I think that that is one of the things that I love about Cosmos, which is that you've like you've, <laughs> I'm proven that it's not going to crash. It's, it's well, not. well, there's no single point of failure. There isn't actually like like it's not a it, it, the 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 ethos that brought the community together yeah. is sufficiently integral with or without any individual. Yeah. That, that people can actually speak their mind. So you yeah. can actually be like, hey guys, 
I'm going to check out and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to do this Socratic, you know, um, troll art <laughs> for the next, <laughs> for the next little bit. And everybody, and everybody can be like, okay, great. And, and the community continues. Yeah. Yeah. So, that's, I wouldn't, I don't want it any other way. And it's it's a like, signal of success, I think. So yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. I think it's working. So I'm glad it's working out. Exactly. <laughs> It's like uh, people can't say anymore. You know, Jay's so central to Cosmos. Hey, look, Jay's a, <laughs> Jay looks like a raging lunatic. No one cares. <laughs> That's what I want people to say. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think but, but I'm not. I'm not. If you actually take a, if you actually read all the crazy shit I'm writing, it's actually not crazy. Not that crazy. But if there's some wisdom in. Um, I think there's some wisdom in creating the the juxtaposition there that allows people to see the um, the reality of the separation between your creative between the creative endeavor, mm. which I'm sure you have certain attachments over things going this way or that way or whatever, and sort of like you as a person and. Yeah, I don't know. It's almost like a, yeah, it's a cool, it's a cool thing. I, I mean, I think, I think about this a lot as a founder of, of different projects and how I build resilience in, uh-huh. in, in community and, and not make it about me, but, uh-huh. but still be able to participate, right? Uh-huh. And there's a certain pain at, to being a creator, but then having your creation depend on you so that you actually have to create a scenario where you cut the cord in order to then, I think it's kind of like having kids, right? Where there's a certain moment where you have to both let go and then re-meet each other as adults instead of as parents. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, yeah I want Cosmos to get out of my house. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, it's got, yeah, it, it's got, it's, it's working. Cosmos <laughs> is working. It's, uh, <laughs> later. <laughs> it's liberating it's like oh god I, I wasn't able to say what i wanted for so long what was amazing though is when i started uh, working on tenement it it felt like how it feels now um and you would have seen you should have seen all the crazy bitcoiners like calling me all kinds of things putting me down and just like trying to get people to see what tenement is about um was <laughs> was it was an uphill battle I, Remember, uh, <laughs> there was that podcast with uh, what is it, Bitcoin Uncensored, with uh, what's his name? I forget his name. But like, yeah, people were just like fucking trolling me and just trying to get me to stop. And it was fun. It was like, you know, it's a good challenge to say uh, to to refine your thoughts and to to make it solid and to mm-hmm. to forge ahead. Um, and they, they actually kind of help in that regard. Um, totally. Well, well, you know, it gives you, it gives you boundaries or like to push against. Yeah. Yeah. They, they help define the boundaries. I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. Grateful for uh, the people, people in the company who have been suffering um, uh, confusion and surprise from my, my actions. Um, but yeah, along the way, comes like more understanding about like how should how should our society function 
You know, like if Cosmos is going to be uh, uh, inter-blockchain system and blockchains are fates, it's like, it's kind of poised to be, you know, we have to be able to, if we want to make this a global system, a decentralized movement, you know, you have to be interfaith you know, to be able to figure out, like, not just tolerate, you know, you can tolerate, but I think that's kind of a shame because the, the stories of these, of these faiths, Abrahamic and, and others, there's, there are, there's actually truth in a lot of them, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying like, there's a message to, there are good messages there. Mm-hmm. Sure. It's like, you know, misconstrued and abused, but people will abuse anything, you know? So it's like the more pure and the more correct, like the more real some set of words might be about what we sh- how should we should live, the more it's going to be targeted for abuse. Because you can control people uh, if they are, say, for example, uh, not afraid of death. And you shouldn't be. But then, you know, it becomes a point of a failure because someone can control that message. Um, So in the midst of this sort of like your own personal exploration and this sort of Socratic coyote uh, avant-garde uh, troll art <laughs> no, <it's laughs> that you're that you're on this journey. How is that? How are you reinventing your relationship as a leader to like AIB and Tenderman? What and you know what's uh-huh. what's how are you? What's emerging as the healthiest way for you to sort of take care of yourself and do what you need, and and also have the team sort of like be able to forge a viable path in the world. Um, yeah. Yeah. You- this is a conversation we're having. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I think, uh, people want me to, in the company, um, there are some people who want me to be a lot actually to, to not do what I'm doing. Um, but then, you know, I, I think it goes against the core principles, core values to apply, you know, rights and expectations um, uh, unfairly. And one thing that we're all guilty of is, is relying too much on, you know, leadership from, you know, some central hero. Like, uh, I think it's, it's fine for a company to have a CEO role in the sense that like there's an ultimate arbiter when you need one, but like to rely on a single person as like the figurehead uh, and to prevent them from making mistakes or saying controversial things or speaking their mind is really just to, you know, follow someone who's constrained and can't think anymore. <laughs> that's really all it is. So don't, let's not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I need to explore and, you know, uh, be a coyote, I suppose. I see what you mean. Um, that's how I learned and got tenderment out, you know? And I need, there's something here that I'm exploring that's really interesting. Um, something there that, that I think, I think, I suspect is timely that I need to be exploring. And uh, we're going to learn something. And it's really interesting to observe people's, like, reactions, you know? Some investors, it seems like, might have, like, 
you know, past on an opportunity, uh, investors, um, because of my behavior, maybe, or maybe someone's just trying to, you know, control me because socially people think that this is bad. And so there's this pressure to, to ask me to stop, but like, you know, I think it's better that, that it's clear that I'm not like the leader that needs to be dependent on that people take uh, my words at their, at its value according to its truth instead of, you know, who I am. Um, and that, uh, I don't know. Now I'm rambling. And also I, I really do feel like I need to say those things. I can't stop it. So, uh, you know, we'll figure so, something out. So that, I mean, that all makes sense. I'm, I guess I'm just curious as a, member of the cosmos ecosystem how this how this shakes out as far as you know i mean i'm getting a clear picture which is that i think so tell me if if this is right that that there's a way in which you know your um in order to sort of unfetter your creative spirit and like actually be in integrity with who you are essentially Mm -hmm. um there's like a stepping back of from officializing perhaps something that's been true for a while, but like making it clear that there's like, there's a sort of separation between the operational reality of this business, which is doing X, Y, and Z and trying to create this and which you're still a part of in a shareholder, but you're sort of saying like, look, man, don't expect me to, you know, do that because I've got some other things I've got, you know, I need to go on this creative journey right now and I'm going to do that. And, you know, meanwhile, there's a group of people who are still sort of like in the trenches, actualizing different elements of all of the potential that. Yeah, they are. It's already happening. Right. Like I'm not, um, I I joined the meetings when I need to, but uh, our team's got it. They're, uh, they're stoked. They, uh, they don't want me to rock the boat. Uh, Well, there's, there's a danger there, to be honest. I mean, in my experience, there's a danger there of the sort of like uh, laissez-faire, you know, uh, King of England kind of scenario, King George scenario, mm-hmm. where, where you let the colonies go for a while and then you come back and you're like, wait, but I need these taxes or I need things to be in a certain way. And everybody's like, screw you, we revolt. <laughs> uh-huh. There is a danger there of like, you know, um, creating separation and then choosing to come back. It's almost like you may need to create your own constitution and stick with it where you're like, I will never interfere in the following things and you can trust me not to. Oh yeah. This is the conversation we're having. Exactly. We're defining, um, what that looks like. We haven't finished all of it because, uh, because, um, honestly, because I, I guess uh, I'm sort of a bottleneck there. So we need to clarify the process, the capital P a little more mm-hmm. um, and then figure out what the board is going to look like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've been defining uh, and redefining a lot of the top. Oops, we lost Jaquan. Maybe he'll come back. Cool. Uh, so uh, before we 
got cut off, you were just talking about the sort of capital P process and yeah, co oh, yeah. co-creating and... co a, a new board and just uh, mm -hmm. you know, creating a healthy organization for, for AIB moving forward. Yeah, that's right. Um, AIB is going to be this, uh, it's going to be primarily a software uh, company with uh, initially Cosmos and Virgo as its main pillars. Uh, and we'll have more uh, uh, in the future. But, you know, it's not, the goal isn't to be like a large company, but we're like to find the necessary uh, uh, opportunities that multiply each other. Uh, since that there's a, a structure and culture within AIB that we iterate on, um, we want to help provide this to the rest of the world. So one, could, you know, one way to look at it is to say that we're practicing radical transparency uh, as uh, defined by Ray Dalio in the book of principles and uh, extending it with process. And then we want to export this to the world so that the world understands radical transparency. And accountability. Cool. Um, and my role here is, uh, is to help, you know, uh, set the mission and the whole a, part, a big part of the hypothesis is that by setting the process right, you can set the direction and checks and balances and so on internally so that, um, you know, uh, you can better trust uh, it to be to evolve the right way. And I think we're starting to get that. So uh, what I want to do is um, eat our own dog food, create a good process, make myself uh, be able to be phased out. Uh, I've already committed to, um, you know, uh, uh, to, to, to doing all of this where I'm no longer going to be like the single uh, board seat member of AIB. Um, so there's already a transition plan in the works. Uh, and I think, you know, now's a good time to do it because uh, it's, it's already, the case that the team is is working quite uh, quite well. Cool. Well, um, just I'm getting a little bit of uh, it seems like you're moving around and your mic is rubbing on something. Like that. Sorry, I don't know. I think this will help. Um, so I can start I'm, over again. But. No, no, no. I think it's it's fine. Um, I, people, listeners, I I. I sort of ask listeners to expect the not mm -hmm. to not be an overproduced uh, podcast. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's all good. I just wanted to let you know that I was hearing it. So, to reflect mm -hmm. on what you just said, yeah, I mean, I'm really excited about. Um, I'm really excited for you and and for AIB and for the whole Cosmos ecosystem. You know, as sometimes transitions can be scary, but what a phenomenal opportunity and i'm just excited for you to be putting yourself like kind of having the courage to put yourself in the place that you need to be to to you know unleash your creativity and be focused on what you're really passionate about and mm -hmm. um yeah i'm excited for the world for that to be true as well so um, i hope everyone starts living this way where they uh, uh yeah just start 
more careful about what they care about and um, where they set um, when they think really hard about what their core values are and what they want out of this world. Hopefully it's, it's with purpose. Uh, yeah, I think that'll, that's necessary for us to get out of this mess and we will. Yeah, no, I'm a firm believer that these, although we're in choppy waters, we're going to be able to navigate across them. And, uh, I think that that's true in kind of like an approximate, you know, sort of like fear, you know, like in your case, you know, with your, um, redefinition of roles and exploration of what's next that, but I think also like on a planetary scale, we're kind of, we're all going through a similar experience here. So as above, yeah. so below, as they say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, gosh, can you imagine the future? Um, if, if we start to live with, uh, by streaming our thoughts, uh, to the public, and we're more comfortable doing that and our UX is better to be able to derive good things from it. Um, you might actually even have enough data to using methods, maybe like Monte Carlo methods or whatnot to like figure out, derive the brain state of us. Mm. And with the blockchain being like this, you know, relatively mutable source of data that could, that could, uh, last forever potentially, you know, uh, aren't we, aren't we? therefore entering ourselves and our souls into a, a different kind of universe or perspective where in a way we're already immortal if we choose to live this way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I sort of see them. Like or, Elon Musk see says he's port cloud forming now. <laughs> Orts cloud, the isn't that what the um no what's the no Dyson sphere sorry oh the Dyson spheres yeah 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 we'll we'll get there if we can get over to this mess <laughs> like um yeah if we if we go into World War Three you know so it's gonna be bad because you know I mean obviously but we're gonna lose our infrastructure. And it's going to take a long time for us to get back to the point where we can do real like space exploration because uh because our, our 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 grid is so interconnected because all the pieces come from all over the world and so on so you know and, and once it's down even extracting energy will be hard so we'll probably go through a period of a long draw of refining like solar energy you know it's going to be a different civilization um, or, um, if we're lucky, we might be able to, uh, prevent that, the worst from happening. Maybe we can, uh, you know, make intelligent choices about the infrastructure without getting into a global conflict. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess, I guess what I'm saying is, in the next five to 10 years, five years, I'd say, we globally have a choice to make. And depending on where we go, we will get Dyson spheres within the next 200 years, you know, starting to get there, or it'll be 50,000 years. 
right? It's like ticker pick. I, I guess I hope that our Dyson sphere reality doesn't end up metabolizing life in order to create the, you know, giant, like, computer. Um, I mean to metabolize life. You know, essentially, like, break it into component parts and repurpose it as technology. You know, I, I'm attached to the beautiful, beautiful evolutionary complexity of, of biological life. Um, you know, I agree. And I think, I think people will, I think, I think once we get to a point where we can start to like go to Mars, terraform that place, you know, that this is, you know, I think this is in the long run. Maybe it'll take a thousand years, but people will start to, um, see earth as a place a garden yeah and people who choose to live here are going to want to keep it a garden mm. so it's its identity it's, it has its own nature right? and everyone else will leave yeah i i resonate with that i mean i i sort of have this very uh i, I see from from my perspective the, the the ethical imperative of our civilization or this moment of this next five years in a way is to is to open up and maintain the dual potential of living of like future generations essentially living fully expressed lives as essentially hunter gatherers as humans simply enjoying the somatic experience of walking across a fecund, beautiful savanna forest garden planet that has mm -hmm. meets all of your needs in mm -hmm. a beautiful way and where you only work, you know, you, you, you gather food a few hours a day and have fun yeah. in a beautiful, in a beautiful uh, Eden, you know, yeah. while also maintaining the open door towards the, techno civilization um expanding out to the stars and that those two those two have those two that seeming polarity that seeming dichotomy we have to open up a portal a possibility wide enough to to fit both at the same time yeah. and that essentially gives us the ethos out of that vision gives us the ethos of of how to approach technology and law and economy um, it's sort of my personal personal view and and I myself am excited about both, but would much prefer the you know the boundless expanse of the the globe, our earth, and walking with a tight knit group of my fellow humans across the earth in a you know in a world <laughs> in in the world in like the tangible biophysical world of our ancestors and mm -hmm. I hope our future generations. I'm, that's my, uh, my hope to be able to bequeath that to my, my kids, you know, yeah. uh, their kids. Yeah. Well, um, I think we'll get there eventually. That's, uh, but, uh, oh man. <sighs> I hope so. I think so too. Yeah, that'd be wonderful. Like, um, 
yeah it's it's like the best best way for us to move forward is together instead of uh trying to you know the, the analogy i like to make is uh <laughs> is crabs crabs in a bucket mm. crabs like trying to crawl on top of each other to get on top like you know instead of uh doing that all the time uh, for for like you know uh we should we should collectively share um, we should create, we can create models of internal competition, you know, where we can almost prove, perhaps we can prove that this is sufficient competition, but it's even more efficient than capitalism today with the regulatory regime and the feedback cycle and the corruption that happens. And that, yeah, that uh, we should agree to adopt such a thing and then share uh, what we can uh, from space because there will be plenty um and so just have to change our mentality um that's the hardest thing right is the is the paradigm system the human human operating system yeah but yeah but so yeah and in order to do that yeah you have to change in the, in the same way that yeah software uh, it took a while for closed source software to become open source. It's going to take a while for organizations to become open. But, um, you know, I think, uh, I think it will be happening very soon. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a lot of talented people working at this intersection of um, transforming organizations, transforming governance, transforming the economy and transforming our, our technological tools to enable this sort of voluntary coordination and focus mm -hmm. on, focus on, uh, you know, the common good as the basis for the person of personal wellness. Like, wh how am mm -hmm. I, how am I rich if everyone else is poor? It just doesn't, it doesn't even. Yeah. It's so dumb. It doesn't make any damn sense. Yeah. Well, you can have all the money in the world. What does it mean if, uh, if, the people that you're going to pay to do stuff aren't going to believe in what you're doing. What's the point of all of that? It makes a lot more sense to spend your money toward building community and, you know, regeneration. Um, you know, that that's, that's a good use of money. Yeah. 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 Amen. Um, well, Jay, I'm curious if you have any, you know, sort of parting, parting remarks or anything that you want to make sure you share before we mm. sort of, um, close off for the evening and, um, yeah, definitely. Thank you. So I guess I should say that, um, Cosmos IBC is coming, Woo. that, um, yeah. And, and the new project is also in the works called Virgo, which is about decentralizing and opening our social, financial, and governance organizational technologies from software to hardware all the way up. Because you need all of this uh, in order to, you know, Cosmos is part of it, but you need everything and to work together in order to repel, defend against the forces that are corrupt and trying to fuck things over because of their local greed um so join us at virgo.org join us at the discord 
Um, it's about, you know, the principles of openness, transparency, voluntarism, um, democracy, exit, environmentalism, um, and accountability. And, you know, uh, we're going to create, I guess it's not an empire, but a different culture um, in a peaceful way. Um, and we have a plan to do that, to save our asses. So yeah. uh, please join us. Awesome. Um, well, I'm super grateful for your time. And um, let's, let's do this again soon. I actually, there's a, there's a set of conversations uh, around sort of like how we actualize that, that I'm mm -hmm. excited to talk about, you know, in the coming months as, as this all continues to grow and evolve. So um, I'd love to have you back on the Planetary Regeneration podcast. And um, I'll look forward to seeing you and, and everybody else who joins in the Discord forum for Virgo. And um, yeah, man, just super grateful for your work and um, your time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And uh, uh, hey, put me down as a Cosmo Hobbit Bitcoin Jesus Stein, my new name. Awesome. I, 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 I'll do that. I'll, uh, that'll be the, uh, that'll be the name that we put on the interview list. Uh, All and, right. uh you know, we'll, I'll do something like that, you know, artist formerly known as Jaquan. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I'll try to, uh, I'll try to get this out to the community, you know, uh, and a quick turnaround. I have a couple people helping me with production, so it's not like it's, it's not going to just happen tomorrow, but, um, you know, uh, you know, this week we'll launch it and uh, we can share it with the community. And oh, that's cool. Please let me know. It's yeah, been a totally. pleasure. And really, thank you for the opportunity. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> this is a funny story. I was on. Uh, I got invited to uh, talk about Tendermint Cosmos and Bloomberg Asia Radio, <laughs> and uh, and I prepared a short thing um as a persona uh, you know this is when before i realized actually this is me <laughs> a little bit uh, i was I, so I, I jumped on the radio and said hey my name is cosmo hamid bitcoin jesus time and i have 12 points i need to share with you and the hosts were like well you can say three and I'm like no it's got to be 12. And i started listing it out talking about you know what the revelations meant and where we are today <laughs> this is in the midst of like Iranian missiles uh, and people talk about World War III and here I am talking about the, uh, the second seal being open and all that. But um, <laughs> so I got cut off. <laughs> but I wasn't cut off here, so thank you. For do you have a, do you have, did you get for posterity the, you know, the, the part of the conversation before you got cut off? Uh, sorry. Do, do you have the part of that conversation that you shared oh, before recorded? you got that off? Like a recording? Yeah. Uh, no, I, I don't have it. I don't have it. Well, we'll have to see if somebody managed to snag that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, somewhere, I bet. Totally. Well, yeah, you didn't get cut off here, and you, you know, you're welcome to, to speak at any length about all of these complex topics. I think they're really important. So it's not... You know, it's not a time in our in our history when 
you know, uh, sound bites and tidbits and, and premature judgments and, uh, you know, all of the rest of it that is kind of the modern media's way of mind control. I, you know, I just don't think we're going to, we're not going to make that, we're not going to evolve ourselves or our world if we're not willing to have long, complex and sometimes challenging conversations. So again, I'm super grateful that you're, you're leading with that and you're willing to lean in and, and that we got to have a, have a great conversation. So yeah, likewise. Hey, next time, maybe we can have uh, someone to debate with someone that's who's going to just disagree with me. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I've been thinking about like changing the format up a little bit and doing more of a forum. So if, if uh, either within the cosmos community or without, if, uh, if somebody comes to mind, I'm happy to kind of moderate and contextualize and we can just okay. you know go at it and, and, you know, create some, um, just more richness there. That's a good right. That's a good idea. Cool, man. All right. Have a beautiful evening. Um, excited to, to follow up. Yeah, likewise. Talk soon. Thank you so much.